so I don't think I'm like totally incoherent, but I'm still drinking, so I may get to that point. You know, maybe we'll use our explicit tag. Like maybe I'll just be throwing like fucking shit and everything, which would be worth it. I mean, we we're not using it right now. We're really not. I mean, I think we cussed like once in each of the first two episodes, and that is fucking terrible. <laughs> are we doing this? I'm ready when you are, man. Hello and welcome to episode three of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. On the other end of the line is Kyle Askin. Howdy. Uh, should we jump right into the news? Uh, let's do it. There's lots of very high level, like, state senate kind of news this week, um, which is... Not usually the most interesting stuff, but I think has a lot of relevance to the future of Atlantic City, the future of specific casinos in Atlantic City. Uh, so let's start with the showboat, which is, I don't think yet confirmed, uh, being bought by Bart Bladstein. It's still in the process, but um, the New Jersey State Senate has passed a bill to lift the deeds restriction that Dastardly Caesars has put on the showboat saying that it cannot be a casino. So it still needs to be sent to the state assembly. It still needs to then be sent to the governor to sign or veto. But it is the first step in removing one of these competing uh, items on the showboat that basically don't allow it to open at all. So uh, what do you think about that? Lifting the deed restriction. I mean, I think that Atlantic City probably needs there to be some clarity in what exactly that building can be used for, because depending on how you look at the different uh, deed restrictions on it, uh, basically can be used for nothing right now, because one side says it can't be used for these set of you know, these type of properties and another side says it can be used for these type of properties and there's no overlap there. So yeah, they are absolutely mutually exclusive because it right. is cannot be used as a casino must be used and must casino. be used yeah. as a casino. Right. So I think that it's good that there will be some clarity into it. I think in a perfect world, I don't know if what they're trying to do is legal uh, I don't know if it passes muster. I mean, I don't know if it's something having to do with ex post facto. I mean, basically writing a law that says that something that has been put into place in the past is no longer valid. I mean, I think it's happened a bunch recently, but I don't know if I think it's the best way to do it personally, but it seems like it's probably going to happen and it'll probably go to court and I expect that it will be upheld. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing for Atlantic City. Yeah, I mean, I was saying, I think I even said on the last podcast that I, I kind of felt like it was something that would not be that tough a thing to fight, that Blatstein could really pick which battle he wanted to fight, and that I thought that that would be the easiest one because you could argue it's, like, anti-competitive or whatever. Um, but it seems like Atlantic City is just kind of doing this for him, which is nice, you know, if you're a developer and... 
the city's basically going to fight your battles for you. That's that's good. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they're they're all on the same side, right? Like they uh, and what I said on the last podcast was that I think it the, the deed restriction it doesn't necessarily devalue the property as it is now, but it it creates a a restriction on the property that devalues the property in the long run because it means that basically there's a major use that you can't use it for. Uh, so I I thought that it would take a buyer to fight it. Um, there was, though, a few months ago, maybe even closer to when it showboat closed initially, there was sort of inklings that the city was going to create basically some really general ordinance that said you can't do something that is injurious to the development of Atlantic City, which is incredibly broad and i don't i don't think that they i don't know that they were specifically thinking about these deed restrictions but it was happening around the same time that that fight was happening and when that happened all i was thinking was oh well this seems like it's you know ripe for someone coming in and saying oh well this deed restriction's bad for the development of atlantic city why don't you go ahead and get rid of that um but that was city based and this is state based so that doesn't really seem related but um you know everything kind of intertwines if i've learned anything from reading Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> the book, the nonfiction book um, by Nelson Johnson. Uh, basically, you know, things that a city wants go through the state, and there's a lot of pl- interplay there of usually shady dealings. Um, maybe not so much now, but certainly in the 20s. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what? Uh, you think Blatstein is going to do with the property? Because I know he's said some things about it, but... He's really been vague. I mean, he's kind of said, well, I could you could make it a gaming property, or I could not. Um, I mean, what I really don't want to see is some sort of expansion, or not necessarily expansion, but a, like phase X of the playground, where it's... Right. That's- because that's what I think it's going to... I mean, I think he wants it to be, like, you know, a big nightlife sort of place, which I don't know how you turn that space into that. But that was the impression I've gotten from what I've read about it. Yeah, and if you look at what he's done in Philadelphia, it's not, you know, it's it's a multi-use sort of retail, nightlife, bars, restaurants kind of thing. Right. Um, which you'd think, just by saying that, that sounds like a casino. <laughs> um, right. But way more focus on getting people out for eating and drinking than gambling. So I'm not sure if he's thinking that, which wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing if he did it more like his, I think it's the Piazza in in Philadelphia, like more like that kind of stuff, but... If it's like the plaza, I'm just if if the plaza is the Atlantic City version of that, then I'm terrified. Yeah, the plaza. Um. So the real million dollar question, though, Craig. If and when the showboat opens back up, do you still think there's going to be an Earl of Sandwich in there? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Unfortunately, that's so. That's sad. Another th- I don't know. another thing we liked gone. 
early. I mean, we lost a lot there. We lost the Earl of Sandwich. We lost the uh, the eight ounce uh, Miller Lite cups. We lost Seal the Deal slots. Yes, we lost uh, the awesome Asian room there with the secret noodle bar like hidden behind it. I'm told I haven't confirmed, but I'm told they have the coldest Coors Light at that Asian Ever. room that you have tasted yes. in your entire life. Um, I I I've heard that actually quite a lot. So on one specific night. On one specific. So we went. We stayed at Showboat. Um, so I think it was the maybe the first time I ever stayed at Showboat, and um, you know, just totally getting away from state senate bills and into story time, which is more fun anyway. Uh, they have these drink AC mugs, which we've talked about before, and it's this mug, and you fill it with this frozen booze, and it's pretty strong. And I had. I think only one, but maybe two of those. And I was... You uh, don't know, fool yourself. It, it was one. It was... Okay. So I'm <laughs> basically just, you know... Let's not act like I uh, have any ability to handle booze. Um, so I was pretty drunk, and it was late, and we went... We decided, let's go play some pie gal. I don't remember if it was tiles or poker. And uh, I think it was tiles. Um, that is a great game. So, so we were sitting there, uh, and... The waitress comes around, I order a Coors Light, and, you know, I just finished this really boozy beer, and Coors Light, which, you know, it's not a very good beer, but it is as cold as the Rockies. It comes out, and I'm starting to drink it, and just for some reason I am enamored by how cold this frost-brewed Coors Light is. Um, And I just, I think I probably said it 30 times, because I was drunk. Right. Drinking. It's still something we talk about all the time. The coldest Coors Light. Oh yeah, if I history. all Coors Lights will forever be compared to the coldest Coors Light ever at the Asian Room at the Showboat. Uh, good times. Uh, they also had the the like I don't know if you'd call it the secret noodle bar, but like sort of hidden twenty four hour yeah. noodle noodle bar, which we never ate at. But but we used the bathroom a lot back there. Yes, but I just like that it existed. Yes. You know, I just no. You would never know it was there unless you were in the Asian room for some reason. And that is awesome. Like that's yes. like cool Atlantic City casino stuff. And that is like you're sitting there, you're playing your tiles, and some people walk in, and it's two in the morning, and they're ordering noodles at the noodle bar, and it's like nothing else in this casino is open except for the tables and this noodle bar. And that is awesome. It is great. So, in another piece of kind of unrelated news to this, but news for that's exciting for us, is I believe in just about two months exactly, I think me and you are probably going to be back in Atlantic City. Yeah, the 20th, uh, right? Is I that the plan? 19th, the, the 20th? 20th of, the 20th, I think it's the night of the 20th. Let me check. That's awesome. Um, I'm actually there. No, the, ni- the 19th. So, it is. Right. It, is. So it is exactly two months from now. And I am there exactly three weeks from today. Nice. Which means I'm there only five weeks apart, which is awesome. Which is really the the schedule you want, right? Right. I mean, if I can go every five weeks, I'm going to feel pretty good. I feel like this happens to me a lot, though. Like, I go in January for my anniversary, then we go quickly again, and then, like, somehow, you know, we get a super comp or something, so we go in, like, March. And then I don't go... And then we go again in, like, October. Right, because we're not going to pay $400 for weekend rooms in the summer. Uh, but I do like to get in my multiple gambling trips early in the year, so I'm glad that even with a baby, that is going to happen. Yes. 
So let's move on to North Jersey casinos. So this is the thing that has been all over, well, my Twitter, (laughs) Uh, over the last few days. Uh, Basically, the state Senate and the state Assembly have produced competing bills uh, for North Jersey gambling, trying to get North Jersey gambling on the ballot for 2016. Uh, They've both created plans. It seems like one of them is going to get onto the ballot. It's just a question of which one. Uh, one of the plans, I think the state senate plan, um, is very pro-Atlantic City in that as much as something that creates gambling outside of Atlantic City can be pro-Atlantic City, it provides some of the tax revenue back to Atlantic City. The other one provides much less. And so there was a lot of anger, apparently, in the discussion of this, where um, some of the southern New Jersey politicians were saying, you're killing Atlantic City and that kind of stuff. Um, So it seems like it's going to be on the ballot. The talk is two casinos. Um, The one that seems like it's definitely going to be one of the options is Hard Rock at the Meadowlands, which is Hard Rock International, not... Hard Rock Las Vegas, which is two different companies, as we've discussed. Um, the other one they've talked about multiple locations. One of them is Jersey City, which is where I live. I see zero appetite for that here, so I'm not really sure that that's viable. Um, but you know, what would this mean for Atlantic City if they open two casinos in North Jersey, minutes from New York City? What does that mean for Atlantic City? Nothing good, I think, is the short answer. Um... I mean, I think from from what I've read, you know, everyone seems to agree that, you know, the one plan where the casinos that open up don't have anything to do with Atlantic City, don't have to have anything to do with Atlantic City is disastrous for Atlantic City. But honestly, even if it's a Caesars Casino or something that opens up there, it's still going to be bad for Atlantic City. And, uh, you know, casinos are still going to close in Atlantic City. Now, I think casinos are probably going to close in Atlantic City regardless of whether or not this happens. Um, But it certainly is not going to be a good thing for Atlantic City in the short run. Do you think, I mean, you're not in New Jersey, so maybe this is, maybe you're not the right person to ask. (laughs) But do you think that it is, for the state of New Jersey, does it make sense to open North Jersey casinos to spite South Jersey casinos? Well, I mean, so it depends, right? As a net, like net of everything, if they open casinos in North Jersey, are they going to have more tax revenue if that's their goal? The answer is probably yes. You know, if the goal is to have more New Jersey jobs in total, uh, the answer is probably yes again. If the goal is to save jobs in Atlantic City? The answer is definitely no. So, I don't know. It depends. It depends on how you look at it. It's it's a hard thing to answer. But I, I think as a whole, like if New Jersey opens a couple of casinos in, in North Jersey, it will help their bottom line for their total gaming revenues. See, I, I think in the short term, it definitely helps their bottom line. I think that they make a lot early. I think that you get a lot of that New York revenue um, yep, that's currently going to places like the Sands, I think. Or even that's going to Atlantic City. I mean, I think a lot of that still goes to Atlantic City. Um, but 
and I think those casinos just make a ton of money early. I but I think in the long run, I wonder if you end up, you know, if you close four Atlantic City casinos because you've opened two in North Jersey. I don't think it's going to be a wash. Like I think it's still a net positive, like you said. But I just don't. I don't think it's as big a net positive as they're going to try to sell it as. I, I think they're going to come uh, in and they're going to say we're going to make a, a new, another billion dollars a year in in gaming revenue and say like that's going to go to the schools and we're going to help you know close our budget shortfalls or whatever. Um, I think that that will be true for the first couple of years. I think beyond that, I I don't see that as. Is total gambling revenue for the state being as big of a gain as they think it's going to be. No, and I agree with you. I think that if you want to look at the long term, if you want to look at what are the revenues going to be like 10 years from now in their you know brick and mortar casinos, like what's the best way they can maximize their revenues over the next, you know, after the next 10 years. I mean, I think the thing that they should be doing, and this kind of segues into what we were talking about at the end of the last last uh, episode, what they should try to be doing is just trying to probably reinvent Atlantic City and trying to make it a bit more of a destination than it already is. Because honestly, right now, Atlantic City is relevant at all just because it's close to some places. I mean, it's close to New York City. It's close to Philadelphia. It's close-ish to Baltimore, Washington. But yeah. I think if they if there's some way to try to make it, you know, slightly more relevant, either just slightly more relevant among those markets or slightly more relevant outside of those markets so that as these new casinos open, which, you know, they are going to open, there's new casinos opening in Boston. There are going to be casinos opening at some point in the next 10 years in New York City or, or Long Island. Um I think that is what New Jersey needs to do to try to keep their casino market really relevant. Yeah, and you, that actually brings up a really good point, which is that it, it, you know the state is going to make this argument that they're going to bring all this New York City money. You know, you've got millions of people in the five boroughs and in the suburbs uh, around New York City who are now all going to come and bring their money. Like they don't make right, the they trip can just all take the way. They just and hop right over the river and go to these casinos. Right. So then the problem is. You know what happens when New York New York State says, "Well, we're, you know, we're not going to give our money to New Jersey," which is what Maryland did. You know, Maryland made the argument that, "Well, everybody's going across to West Virginia and Pennsylvania, so we should compete with that and and keep people within our borders." So what happens when they say, "Okay, well, we're going to open a casino in, you know, Westchester County, or we're going to open a casino in in Red Hook, Brooklyn, or something where just a ton of people all of a sudden have this incredibly easy access and have no reason to even go to the Meadowlands, let alone Atlantic City. So, you know, they already have Resorts World in Queens, uh, which has no table games. And even just adding table games to that or adding table games to Yonkers, I think would do a huge, huge damage to the potential of North Jersey casinos. And, and that kind of thing could be done in the time that it takes to like get the approval done and, and build and construct and open casinos in, in the Meadowlands and wherever else in North Jersey. So I think that that's a huge down uh, like ceiling on the revenue for North Jersey casinos that I haven't really seen talked about that much is just, you know, how long does this work before New York says, Oh, well, you're, 
getting money from our residents, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, so why don't you talk about the next uh, bullet on our, our agenda, and then we can sort of talk about this as a as a whole. The will it will it pass? So so this is something that I was thinking about before I looked up any data, and my question was, will this really pass? Because in Maryland, as you know, in Maryland, mm-hmm. the the big thing that kind of sealed it was. One saying, you know, hey, this money's all going to go to education, man. It's great for education, right? But also saying, you know what? You don't like gambling, but it's already happening. People in in Maryland who want gambling are just going across to West Virginia. To they're going to Pennsylvania. They're gambling anyway. So if they're going to lose their money, they might as well lose their money in state. How do you make that argument in New Jersey <laughs> that already has gambling? Right, so you can say, "Oh well, people are going out of state." You know, maybe, maybe they're going to the Sands, but New Jersey does already yeah. have gambling. They, they probably are. If you live in Parsippany, are you going to? I mean, and the Sands is—I uh, don't know how much closer the Sands is going to be to Parsippany than Atlantic City, but significantly closer, right? Yeah, I mean, as far as so from the really closest suburbs to to New York City, it's or the, even honestly, if you lived in Camden, I mean, Atlantic City is close to Camden, but you know. The, the Harris is even closer. In, uh, right, that's true too, in Philadelphia. But in Philadelphia. it's probably 45 minutes closer for me to go to the Sands than to Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I never have been to the Sands. But Fairleigh Dickinson University um, ran a poll uh, in June and found that 50%, 56% of New Jersey residents oppose allowing casino gambling outside of, of Atlantic City. Only 37% favored it. The article goes on to talk about how, like, oh, if you frame the question differently and you say if North Jersey gambling were to bring in X amount of revenue for the state and, and you know, for education and all that kind of stuff, would you be in favor? All of a sudden, everybody's in favor. But that's not the way it says it on the ballot. On the ballot, it's a yes or no question. So 56% of residents are opposed to it. That's a tough number to overcome. It sounds like it's only a little over 50 but when you have 56% saying they are they are opposed to it and only 37% in favor of it, that's a big gap. Because basically what you're hoping for, um, you're never going to get a bunch of people who are super excited about gambling coming out to vote and pushing pushing a gambling measure over the top, right? Like those people, there's just not that many of those people. What you need is enough people who are voting anyway – to say, yeah, why not? Gambling's already here. Let's just expand it a little bit and and hit yes to override the number of people who are staunchly against it. Right. So the fact that you have 56% of New Jersey residents already opposed, I think that's a really, really tough number to overcome. And so I was thinking, I was already kind of in the mindset of like, I just don't necessarily think it's going to pass because I feel like in like New Jersey is a weird state in that it does not, it's not like Maryland where they got gambling and then they had another ballot measure for table games and there totally was this sort of like, why not? There's already gambling. Like, what's the difference? Machines are table games. New Jersey, almost as a state, does not feel like they have gambling in their state. They feel like they have gambling in Atlantic City. So I think there's a sense of, Hey, gambling's failing in Atlantic City. Like, why are we opening new casinos just because gambling is not working somewhere else in the state? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then 
you have people who are just opposed to it in general, and I, I don't see it necessarily working out. Of course, though, this is before there has been one dollar spent on campaigning on TV, so that can totally shift over the course of the months leading up to the election. Um, I'm sure that there will be interested parties, casinos on both sides. I expect Caesars will spend lots of money trying to get it not done. I think Hard Rock and whoever else is involved will be spending lots of money trying to sway opinion in favor. But right now, I think it's a huge, huge hurdle. And I I think if they, without a a just really, really well-run campaign, I don't think that it passes. So, you know, I think I told you a couple weeks ago I ordered the new book that Dr. Dave who's famous from the Las Vegas gang, recently wrote on Atlantic City. Well, he, he didn't write it recently. It was a collection of articles he's written over the last five years or whatever. But one of the chapters I just read like recently in the last week talked about the history of the legalization of gambling in, uh, in New Jersey. And I believe that the first time they, they tried to pass it, it went to you know referendum in I believe 1974, and it failed by a pretty wide margin. Right. And I think a big reason it failed was because it was going to allow gambling in the state of New Jersey. And one of the big things that changed between 1974 and 1976, I believe, when it passed, 78, is uh, yeah, maybe it was 76. It failed, and 78 it passed. That that could be. Is they reworded it so that gambling was basically only legal in Atlantic City, which even then was a city that was doing significantly worse than it had been doing in the past, largely because they had really cracked down on illegal gambling going on there. Um, and they needed something to try to reinvigorate Atlantic City. And they could tell everyone else in the state, like, look, it's not going to affect you in right. in Newark because gambling's not coming to Newark. It's only going to be in one place. And the, and the dollars that we as the state of New Jersey make are going to be redistributed across the state. So it was, you were right, it's 76, it was approved. Resorts yeah, 74 first. it failed, and 76 it was approved. Though. And Resorts... And 77 is when Resorts opened, right? 78. Resorts okay. opened in 78, so that, was okay. the, so that was where 78 was coming from. But um, I, I think that that still plays in. I think there's a sense of, you know, we've restricted gambling to Atlantic City. We have gambling. It's there. It's not working. Why are we bringing this thing to, to other parts of the state? And I think part of the issue that they're going to have to overcome is that the the press in New Jersey towards gambling is very negative right now because it is this idea of, oh, hey, look at all these failing casinos. Look at four casinos closing in Atlantic City. Uh, You know, more might close. They've got their bond statuses, junk bonds. Um, So the idea in people's heads, like the brand position, if you will, in people's heads is is negative. It is that it is something that does not work, that doesn't make money. and so expanding it, I think, is a hard sell. I do wonder, though, you know, 74, 76, you know, that's 40 years ago now. I don't know how I don't know how much the sort of confinement to Atlantic City still plays into people's thinking about gambling. Um, but I do think because it has been confined to Atlantic City, the thought process in people's heads is very much that gambling, you know, as gambling goes, Atlantic City goes. And so... The fact that Atlantic City's failing means like gambling's not that great. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised at all if so. Is this is this going to end up just being something that has to go to referendum, or is it going to be something that just the state senate and governor are going to pass and sign, and then it is going to be the law? It has to go on the ballot. Okay. Um. So I I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see it if it does end up on the ballot. I wouldn't be surprised to see it fail. I I would be I, that being said I would not be surprised to see it pass. Oh, I wouldn't either. But I think it's an uphill battle from right now. But I'm an Atlantic City fanboy, so you know, take my opinions about saving Atlantic City with a grain of salt. But I mean, the numbers right now show that it's that they've got an uphill battle. Right. Uh, so the next thing that we want to talk about, just briefly, probably is um, Caesars is kind of being dicks. Uh, they shocking. Uh, you know, I'm, I can't really even explain this thing probably as well as you can. You know, Caesars has, has done a lot to, as they've headed toward bankruptcy, as they've tried to avoid bankruptcy, to do things that really kind of screw over their, their bondholders, right? Right. Specifically uh, their junior bondholders. Right. So basically they will do something that will favor greatly their senior bondholders. So it gets approved in a way that screws their junior bondholders. Right. So, um, so this is the 10,000-foot overview on what exactly Caesars has been doing over the last, let's say, 24 months. Uh, basically, they've been just playing this financial shell game where they're creating a bunch of new companies and then moving their assets around like within these companies, just transferring, you know this hotel to this company and this hotel to this company. So that right now in Atlantic City, you know, Harris Internet Harris is actually owned by a different company than Caesars and Bally's. Harris is owned by a very financially solvent arm of Caesars right now. And Bally's and Caesars is owned by the branch that looks like it is well the branch that is in bankruptcy. And this is basically all so that they can put all of their distressed assets in one bubble declare bankruptcy and it's not going to affect their good assets. So, so the latest thing is that they're trying to attach a measure um, to the must pass bill, the, the government spending bill, right? Basically the thing that will avoid the shutdown of the government, which uh, I'm sure you have been affected by <laughs> being right. down in Maryland. I've been affected by because my family's down there and, and government employees. Um, and, you know, one of the frustrating things about politics is that bullshit like this gets attached to bills that have nothing to do with this. And so basically, they're trying to, Caesar's just lobbying hard to get a bill passed that would give them more leeway in how they repay their debt. Um, of course, their bondholders, their junior bondholders are opposed to this. Um, there are pension funds and hedge funds uh, who own. $5.4 billion of their debt, of Caesar's debt, who are very against it. Uh, and so Caesar's is just trying to get this language into the bill uh, to basically allow for debt restructuring in a way that's favorable to them. Um, right. This is not surprising at all, right? I mean, if you follow no. Caesar's, it's just not very surprising. I mean, I mean the, the big question in this story over the last couple of years as it's been happening has been you know, Caesars has been doing this. They've been getting sued, you know, it's in the courts right now with their junior bondholders. And it's always been, is this something that they're going to get away with? Or is it 
not going to work what they're trying to do. Right. So the the issue with this beyond Caesars, right, is that this is just damaging to the investment process. <laughs> well, so, I mean, here's my my take on it. I, I, I think since the, you know, the big financial crisis in 2007, there have been a lot of precedents where the rules have kind of been changed after the fact. And this goes back to what I said about, you know, the deed restrictions in the first part of the show, where there were certain rules in place. Bondholders are supposed to have certain rights and they're supposed to be able to have access to the assets before certain other classes, depending on how, you know, each company's charter is written. And I think there's been a few times where, where the government's come in since then, and you can say they've done it rightly or wrongly, depending on your views, and changed that. And I think that uh, basically every time the junior bondholders have gotten the short end of the stick, whether you want to talk about the, the, you know, the bankruptcy of the municipality of Detroit or, or how, what, what happened when the government came in and saved the automakers in Detroit. And there's probably a bunch of other examples too. So, you know, would I be shocked if this passed? I wouldn't. And I, it seems like if it does pass, then I, I think the, the junior bondholders are probably just going to be out of luck. But is it, do I necessarily think it's the most fair thing in the world? Probably not. But it's hard for me to say whether it is good or bad, uh, fungibly, I guess, for, I don't know, the process if this passes. So so for me, bringing this back to Atlantic City, and, and you know, I'm not the best person when it comes to this kind of, you know, bankruptcy legislation, that kind of stuff. To me, it would seem like, from an Atlantic City perspective, if you were trying to do something with Showboat, or you were trying to, I don't know, some straw man mythical person is trying to buy Trump Plaza, and you're trying to get backers and investors and everyone's seen how this has played out with Caesars, does this make it more difficult to get people to invest in your company? I feel like they would see this and say, well, you know, I'm allegedly owed this, but that's not actually what I'm going to get paid if shit goes south. I don't know. I mean, so you work in the bond arm of a investment bank, right? You work for Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or whoever buying bonds and you have to buy bonds from someone because that's what you're told to do. Um, I mean, the rules can change for any of them. I mean, do you say that we just aren't going to buy bonds when there's public demand for bonds? Like, probably not. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Does it really matter? I'm not really sure. So, so you think that basically the companies that are out there buying bonds are calculating in their risk calculation the risk that the legislation just changes? Just changes. Uh, I hope so. I mean, are they actually? <laughs> Makes sense. I don't know. Uh, there's actually recently, I think today, there was a great t- story in uh, the New York Times about uh, some investments in the municipality of Puerto Rico, which if you're interested in this, you should absolutely read it. It's very interesting about uh, Puerto Rico maybe declaring bankruptcy soon, and that's going to screw basically a ton of huge hedge funds if they do. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, but the, the way I read that is that, you know, these people should have probably seen that bankruptcy <laughs> was a possibility and that the rules could have changed. And if they changed, they were going to screw them. Um, but yet 
they still marched ahead and now they're desperately trying to save their investment, basically. Right, and you could certainly make the same argument with Caesars, which is that, like, look at every decision they've made since the economy went bad, since the recession, right? It was Mm -hmm. just gobbling up as much property as they possibly could, going private at the worst possible time, (laughs) going public when they had no cachet really to go public, and just... So, I mean, well, the, obviously, all the, the bondholders would have come in before they went public. But, you know, the series of decisions was not exactly confidence-inspiring. Um, so to come through and sort of see, uh, oh, well, Caesars, you know, this is a company you're going to invest in. You've kind of got to have it in the back of your mind that bankruptcy is, is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if it was a great idea to invest in Caesars for a lot of reasons, because... I mean, like you said, their financial numbers were were very bad. I mean, the the big problem with Caesars was that if you could have picked, like, you couldn't have picked a worse time for them to uh, do what they did when they went private, and basically at the very help. height of the market. Right, they went private basically because they weren't leveraged at all. So some, uh, you know, buyout firm saw that and they're like, this is a great opportunity for us to make money in a, in a leveraged buyout, which was basically something that was huge in the eighties. Um, so they came in, basically took the public company, which was Caesar's private leveraged it to the gills because you know, all of their numbers said that it was going to be totally fine. And this was in 2005. And (laughs) it turned out that all of the numbers that they ran were, you know, not really applicable anymore in 2007 and 2008 when the economy was, uh, you know, the worst it's been in 20 or more years. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because I sort of look at this and I kind of, just reading it from someone who, you know, throws a few bucks into the stock market into like a Roth IRA, right? You mm-hmm. think, oh, this is really screwing people over, you know? Like, this is like the parking thing where you drive in and it says 15 bucks and you drive out and you're paying 30 because they raised the rate. Like, that's not really, it's not that simple. Um, so I also kind of, as I was reading this article, I was reminded of something that Donald Trump said in one of the debates, uh, which is, you know, these are not nice guys. Like, every, everybody keeps trying to hammer them on the bankruptcy thing, but basically, like, you know, you're not feeling sorry for the dudes that are running these kind of hedge funds and, and, and right. uh, the bondholders for these big companies. These aren't people, these are like, you know, Corporators and and right. hedge funds I mean, and companies right. that are just throwing money around, trying to make as much money as they can. Yeah, you probably should never feel sorry if an LBO goes wrong. Uh, so, moving on to less legislative, businessy, still businessy, but not legislative news. Bally's in Atlantic City is touting their renovated Jubilee rooms uh, with, in my email, uh, just like Bally's Vegas. They said, uh, which. Bally's Vegas uh, doesn't inspire that much excitement in me. I've heard really good things lately about their updated rooms. I have not heard good things about their bazaar that's out front that's very weird looking. Um, but these rooms are significantly nicer looking, just updated furnishings. looks like updated everything, carpeting. Um, and they are really trying to push these uh, for January and beyond, which I think is they're starting to open right now. It's funny that they're called the Jubilee Rooms because Jubilee has closed in Las Vegas or is closing in February. So uh, to call them Jubilee Rooms as they call the Jubilee Rooms in Vegas 
to name them after the show that's not going to exist anymore. It's kind of funny. Uh, so I looked into this because I am staying in Valleys uh, in January, in three weeks. I looked into these rooms to see how much they cost because I'm getting comped at most rooms at Valleys for the Saturday that I'm going. Uh, but none of the Jubilee rooms came up. And so I went in without putting in my total rewards number, um, or without putting, without using the comp. So I went in um, just by clicking to that date without using whatever comp code you need. Um, and so I'm getting most of the rooms in the entire hotel comped. Jubilee rooms are $252 to $287. So uh, clearly it's a pretty big difference. I looked for a random March Saturday night and they were in the 450s for those rooms. Um, but to be fair, the cheaper rooms were like 405. So the difference there was not huge. It seems like the difference if you're a comps player is really big. Um, you know, I just assumed that I was getting basically every room in the place comped because the list was huge. Uh, but no, no Jubilee rooms for me. Um, these are in the big Valley's Tower uh, that is really old and out of date and really in need of renovation. So I'm interested to see how they come out and if this makes that tower much nicer because it's the main tower. And I, I expect a lot of people who try to book at Valley's look at that tower and say, that's the tower I want to be in. I don't want to be in the tiny Dennis Tower that's been open for 100 years, you know. Um, but those rooms have not been updated in a while, so they're finally getting a little sprucing up. One other thing I noticed about these rooms, and I really had a problem with Bally's in general, is they are listed on the website as 300 to 350 square feet. And that is not a big hotel room. Um, so the thing about that is that the room I booked, which is a dentist luxury room, is also listed at 300 to 350 square feet. Um, it seems like they just list every room at Bally's on their website as 300 to 350 square feet. <laughs> so... Unlike Vegas, where there are people who are just total geeks about every room that exists in Vegas, and there is incredibly specific information about any room that you want to book, any room class, that's going to give you a really good idea of what's available, Atlantic City does not have that. So it seems like uh, 300 to 350 square feet is probably wrong. I would not trust that. Um, so I'd really be interested to hear what the actual size is, how the renovation comes out, if it's nice, uh, all that stuff. But for now, Jubilee Rooms, just like Bally's Vegas, I, I'll put the link to Bally's tweet that tapped these things um, so you can see the artist rendering of the rooms. Uh, any thoughts on just like Bally's Vegas, Jubilee Rooms, Kyle? I uh, So I actually have a bunch of different thoughts. Uh, so I stayed in Valley's Las Vegas and I, I believe 2010 and it was probably one of the worst rooms I've ever stayed in. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was obvious that it had not been remodeled in 20 years. I mean, like, you know, the t between the TV and the furniture, uh, it just wasn't in good shape. Uh, however, you know recently we read other blogs and we read things about Vegas. It's, it seems like Bally's has done some work to their rooms in Las Vegas. And apparently it is a very reasonable place to stay now if you go there. So that was my one 
thing to say about Valley's Las Vegas. The room I stayed in there was was very not nice. Uh, so I've been looking into uh, my comps for the night that we are going to Atlantic City. And the Jubilee Room doesn't even come up if I put my TR number in. Right, that's the same thing I had. Weird. Yeah, I had to I had to get out of my TR and just go in through normally, and it would give me all the rooms list room listings, and it right. was two hundred and fifty two bucks. So, you know, it's been uh, pretty well established between me and you all of the issues that Caesar seems to be having with their. IT system and their booking system on their website because we both are pretty religious about checking all the rates even though we're not going anywhere anytime soon and seeing what they are and this just seems to be another thing where it's weird that it's not even giving me a price or not even telling me that it's not available. Well I've had this issue with Caesars for a long time and so now let's totally get off of specifically these Bally's rooms mm-hmm. um, and talk about Caesars website. So even before they had the issue where it no longer shows you your comped weeknights yes. without clicking which, into which, a deal, without clicking into Which is ridiculous because when I look at my calendar now as a Diamond player, basically every weekend I see comp comp for Friday night and Saturday <laughs> night. And during the week, it's like $50, which it doesn't make sense. Right, so it used to actually show you, it used to incorporate your offers into the calendar. Even right. before that issue came up, I noticed a lot of times that it would either, there were nights where it would say options, you know, for me, under a certain hotel, which would indicate, which when you click on it says that it's sold out. Or it would not list all the rooms. Which leads me to believe that they're saying that there's no more comped rooms or no more discounted rooms available. But that's not what it says. It says there's no rooms available. Like, why not just give, why not at least show me the room at the rate that I could pay if I didn't log into my total rewards and say, okay, yes, there's no more discounts, but you can pay $252 to stay in the Jubilee room. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even offer it to you. No, so if it's, you're, not, it's like it doesn't exist on the website. I just signed out and, and looked and I did see these rooms for the night that we're going and I signed back in and they're gone again. Right, it makes no sense. I mean, you're ta- you're talking about these these rooms that are now going to be probably the nicest rooms in Valleys that you would want your players to come stay in, right? And you are a diamond status player, and you can't even see them on the site. That is just insane to me. That's unbelievable. It, it, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so let's all right. So, say what you're going to say. I have another thing to segue into, but we can do it after we're done talking about this. I mean, I think that pretty much sums it up because I I find this so frustrating that it will tell you a night, especially when it tells you a night's totally sold out when it's not. Like, if it's if it's a really expensive night and I'm trying to go, why not just tell me? Like, it kind of sends the hint that, like, oh, you're going to spend $300 in a night? Eh, that's not worth it. Except that if I don't even have a card, <laughs> I can book the same room and just pay for it. It makes no sense. It's no, it doesn't. There, it doesn't make... It, it, it literally... You're being punished for putting your for logging into their website, which is something that they should absolutely never, ever, ever want to do. Well, there was actually the funny thing is there was a brief time, I think after the first time I went for my anniversary, where we just didn't. Andrea was sick, my wife was sick, and we just didn't gamble at all. I mean, at all. And I mean, maybe for 15 minutes I played video poker, and 
I for the next couple months I was getting higher rates when I was logged in than when I was logged out. I was actually getting higher rates on Total Rewards, and I was like, Which man, this is like the uh, the punishment stick from Caesars from Total Rewards. This is like you know, Loveman giving me a little love tap, like, hey man, you got to gamble if you're going to come to my casino. Plus, you know, as you know, but as our listeners may not know, hi Andy and Dave. Um, you know, we've had the de- deal too, where you'd be looking at the offers and you'd be like, "Wow, it's pretty high." And then, you know, I've been like, "Well, make sure you're logged into Chrome because the deals are just cheaper on Chrome." I think they fixed that. It used to be definitely. I mean, there was a night where I got a comp night on a Saturday that in Firefox, I think it was showing up as like well over a hundred dollars, and then I logged into Chrome and it was free. And I was like, "Okay, I'll take a comp," and it let me book it because because. Um, I think Atlantic Club had a similar issue, and or no, it was M Life. M Life had a very, very bad issue where it would let you book if you had like a Sunday through Thursday offer at M- at MGM casinos. You could book any of any stay that started Sunday through Thursday, and you could book it like all the way through the weekend, and it would come up as free. But then when you actually tried to book it, it would be like, eh, no, I see what you're trying to do. It was still dumb, like it was still poorly created, a poorly created web system, but at least it didn't let you book it <laughs> when there was some kind of mistake. Um, no, it, make, it makes no sense, though. Their website is, it obviously needs a lot of back-end work, I, I will say that, as a, you know, person who works in IT for, for their day job. So my my general question was, uh, where do you want to stay in two months? Ooh, I mean... Trot. <laughs> I'm getting comp rooms in Valleys and Harris. Harris. No Caesars. No Caesars. So, would right. you like to stay on the boardwalk, or would you like to stay in the marina, and why? And I also looked at Borgata, but they apparently hate me again, so that's not an option. Um. Well, so for our listeners, because this is important, what we're going to do here is we're going to go to all three of the Caesars Diamond Lounges, and we're going to come back and talk about it. Maybe. That's I mean, it's possible that it doesn't happen because, you know, I've mentioned it to some of our mutual friends, and if they all come, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll just go to one of them because I've already been to the Caesars and the Valley's Diamond Lounge. Craig has been to the Valley's Diamond Lounge. The Caesars one is nothing really special I mean, to talk about. I think. It the sounds Valley's like was... our friends can go fuck off because we're but... going to the Diamond Lounge. <laughs> There's, we could do that. There's Pac-Man at Bally's. At Bally's. The Bally's Diamond Lounge is pretty sweet. Yeah, Bally's uh, is the only one I've been to. So so that's the tentative plan. We'll see if that works out. Yeah, we'll see. Um, at the very least, we'll have lots of stuff to talk about, because we'll have spent a night in Atlantic City. Craig, yes. Boardwalk or Marina, and why? Okay, so obviously if we're thinking Diamond Lounges, I'm leaning towards Boardwalk, because there's two of them there. Um, I'll have just stayed on the Boardwalk. A few weeks ago. Let's let's take that out of the equation. Let's okay. say this was a normal trip where we were going to do the normal gambling things. We have the ability to stay in either Bally's or Harrah's. Which, any room in Bally's? Except the Jubilee rooms? Sure. Yeah, it, I think it is any room in Bally's except the Jubilee rooms. In I... Harrah's, let me, let me go back and check. I don't think they offered me any waterfront tower, unfortunately. Bayview? I think it was just, you know, not on the page, as Caesars can do. Because if, if it's the, like, Harbor and, and Marina... Har- yeah, Marina, Marina and Harbor are all comped, 
and there is no mention of the waterfront tower at all. Or the Bayview Tower. So I don't so I definitely don't want to stay in those fucking Harbor Tower Marina Tower rooms. Like those mm-hmm. were disgusting. Um if only because the bathroom was so gross and the plumbing was terrible. Uh so so for that reason, I'm gonna assume that you're gonna get more comps than that between now and February. I'm gonna assume that at some point better rooms. I'll get a C- I'll get Caesar's comps and I'll probably get waterfront tower comps. Right. Um it's tough. I like Hera's as a casino. I like the casino floor. I like the li- the everything else going on there. You know the shops and everything better than any of the Caesar you know Caesar's or Bally's. Uh, but I do generally prefer the boardwalk because my big thing, and I was thinking about this today randomly because I just think about Atlantic City all the time, is I prefer the boardwalk just because it's much less of a process to get elsewhere. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're staying on the boardwalk, you can hop over to other casinos, you can hop over to the outlets. Like if you're playing, you know, if I'm if I'm kind of if I need a break and you're playing whatever, you're playing Pygo tiles, I can hop out to the outlets and go to, you know, like the Van Heusen store <laughs> and, and try to find shirts. <laughs> for hypothetically shirts. speaking, of course. Um, for for half an hour. And that's totally fine on and, and or Lacoste. Right. So on the at the marina, you can kind of get to either of the other hotels with a long walk, but it's a pain. Um, and as far as, like, sort of walkability to anything non-casino, like, it's just surface parking lots. So no, Yeah, there there is literally no walkability to a single thing that is in a casino. But Borgata is there, and it's Borgata, and it's the best thing in Atlantic City. So it's a tough one for me. I would say for nostalgia purposes, I usually pick the boardwalk, but I think I've had fun, more fun lately at the marina casinos. But I'm fine with either. So how's that for a non-answer? Honestly, I think with the state of the boardwalk, and especially how it's probably going to be in my mind in the middle of February, which is to say there's going to be absolutely nothing open on it. Uh, I don't see much of a reason not to stay in the marina, but I'm not sure. Yeah, to me, I I, I can't really say marina versus boardwalk without knowing room specifics. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you're talking the nice rooms in Harrah's, it becomes a much easier decision. Because the nice rooms in Harrah's are nice and big. Mm -hmm. Um, The nice rooms in Caesars are really nice, but they're not like so much nicer than... So you'll be happy to know I'm looking at my rate calendar now, just only for the property of Harrah's. And it says on the calendar that my cheapest rate for Friday the 19th is $71. And then when I click on it, everything is free. So it's just awesome. Everything, not including the good towers. Right, which don't show up. Well, don't, the, those don't the waterfront tower is not on that page at it's all. It's not a thing. Right. But it says $71, and I click it, and everything is free. Awesome. It, it's just awful. Yeah, they need to fix that shit. I mean... Hold on, let me sign out. It's incredibly frustrating. It doesn't make sense. They want you to go to the casino. <laughs> you have a diamond card. Even I, with a gold card, who they could pro- they would probably spit on when, they, when I walk through the door. They still want me to go to the casino. They know what I'm going to lose when I go. And they don't make it easy. Like, I just, yep. it's, it's nonsense. Yeah, Waterfront Tower is now there after I log out. Two eighty eight That's too much. 
I mean, obviously we're paying, well, that's, we're paying zero. That, is, that so. is me with no card. <laughs> yes, me, me and you will pay no money for when we go. Hey, can so, you add my companion card? I mean, you don't have to do this right now, but that probably doesn't get you anything. Uh, it'll probably get me a little something, but not not too much. So, anyways, moving on from our planning our trip um, on the podcast <laughs> to new restaurant news. Um, it was funny because after our talk the last episode, I was kind of thinking about what is ba- what does Atlantic City need? You know, do they need new restaurants? Do they need cool, hip shit that like is not necessarily Guy Fieri and and even Bobby Flay and Wolfgang Puck, like, those things are everywhere. Like, can we get something that's cool and new and different like they get in Vegas all the time? Or is that a chicken or egg thing where you don't get that until you've got a bunch of people going? Um, which it probably is. But the Borgata announced that Michael Simon, who is a Food Network Iron Chef, uh, co-host of The Chew on ABC, I did not recognize the name Michael Simon, but as soon as I saw a picture of him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Food Network guy. Um, He is opening a new restaurant in fall 2016. It is an Italian restaurant. The press release called it a boldly flavored and deeply satisfying dishes, authentic Italian restaurant. Um, That doesn't make any sense because I just put two quotes together. But... It will be occupying the space of Sea Blue by Michael Mina, which closed three years ago. I don't think I ever even saw it. It is right next to Bobby Flay's Steak, which I barely see because it's behind the High Limit Room. So where this is, if you are not... No, supposed- you, Bobby Flay's Steak is... You can see it. If you're walking around the perimeter, it's there. Right. So it's it's on the perimeter. So basically, if you walk in and you just go straight all the way to... If you walk in from the main lobby entrance... And you walk all the way to the back to the back of the casino, and you end up at the music box theater. Yep. And then you hang a right. You yep. end up at the Borgata and Co. shop, where you get your Borgata branded stuff. Yep. And, Which I've shopped at many times. And then diagonally, so across diagonally across from that is Bread and Butter, which is awesome for hungover danishes and Taylor ham and egg sandwiches and coffee, which I've had many, many times. Um, Between those two things is a hallway, and you walk down that diagonal hallway, and it takes you to what will now be this unnamed Michael Simon restaurant. So that's the location. Um, You can bookmark this for the directions and then call and tell while I'm wrong or email and tell me why I'm wrong about where that is. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so Michael Simon has several restaurants in Cl- the Cleveland area and one in Detroit. I think this will be his first East Coast restaurant. It is definitely his first Italian restaurant. Um, so this is kind of cool to me because it's not like one of the sort of mega Wolfgang Puck, Bobby Flay guys who has 150 restaurants. Like this is a guy who's a famous chef. He's on a network TV show. And he's opening a restaurant on the East Coast and has chosen, or more likely than not, has been incentivized by Borgata to make that in Atlantic City. Uh, So that I thought was pretty cool. Um, It's an Italian place. I do wonder what that means for Fornaletto, which is also at Borgata, which I really like because you go down these stairs and you're in kind of this awesome wine cellar and you feel like you're not even in the casino. Um, 
But it seems like that's unaffected because it's not moving into that space. Um, there's probably enough appetite for multiple Italian restaurants. Um, so this is a new thing coming fall 2016. Uh, obviously, that's still a ways off, but um, if anybody checks it out, we'd love to hear about it. So what do you think about restaurants in Atlantic City? I mean, in the last year alone, or a little more than a year, I guess we've gotten, uh, you know, Guy's Steakhouse or whatever it's called in Bally's. We've gotten Buca de Beppo, which again is a chain. Um, now we've got this Michael Simon restaurant. Is Are things from a restaurant perspective sort of shifting to more cool stuff away from like old school, every casino has a coffee shop, an Italian place, a steak place. They're all like sort of this generic in-house thing that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, and now we've got stuff that people are actually excited to come to, or is this just, you know, the Borg makes a ton of money and, and now they have another enticing option that <laughs> doesn't really prob- affect anything else. It's probably more the second option, I think. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's always good when, uh, new and potentially interesting restaurants come into Atlantic city. I mean, it's good for the area. Uh, Honestly, if you wanted this to be really good for Atlantic City, it probably would be somewhere else other than the Borg, which already has a bunch of great dining options, honestly, you know, including Wolfgang Puck and Bobby Flay, as you mentioned. Right. I mean, that part is a little confusing to me because I feel like they've, I mean, confusing, right? It's not confusing. (laughs) Um, If you go to Vegas, it's how every top shelf casino is. It's just big name after big name of restaurants. It's really incredible how many big names... Borgata has at this point, though. I mean, just to... Especially compared to the other casinos in Atlantic City. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they have a monopoly on on the best restaurants in Atlantic City, except for, you know, the really old stuff like Docks and Knife and Fork that are not in a casino. Um, so you, you'd almost think that the other casinos would come in, especially Bally's, who just redid that floor... And say, oh, we're going to get really exciting stuff. And instead they got Guy um, and a chain Italian place. But, you know, Guy, I guess, has a certain following uh, <laughs> that maybe is more in tune with the people who go to Bally's. So I don't know. Um, and then, you know, Martirano's is not at – that's at Harrah's, right? So, you know, that's a big name that is not at Borg. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it, right? I mean, we're at uh, over an hour, so I think that's probably enough news for one week. Um, I had all sorts of canned questions to ask you to follow up on last week about, like, you know, what would you want Atlantic City and why? what kind of things do you really always make sure you do or what do you try to avoid and all that stuff. But I, we didn't really get to any of that because the news has kind of been coming hot and heavy with, uh, with the le- legislation and um, – you know, North Casino, Northern Jersey Casino gambling and all that kind of stuff. I expect that will continue to come because that North Jersey thing's going to get a lot of coverage. So we'll probably talk about that more. Uh, we'll save the the non-time sensitive, the evergreen stuff for you journalism people uh, for later. Um, so I think, unless you've got anything to add, I think we're ready to get out of here. No, I think, I think that's it. I think that I mean, honestly, we covered a lot of general stuff, I think, just uh, during the course of our ramblings today. So so hopefully you've enjoyed those ramblings. 
again, this is the Do For A Win podcast. You can find us at doforawin.com. Uh, we are on iTunes. If you search Do For A Win or Atlantic City, we should come up. Twitter is at Do For A Win. And we have an email, win at gmail.com. If you email that, uh, I will see it eventually um, and should respond. <laughs> so if there's anything that you want to say, anything you want us to talk about, any thoughts you have on Atlantic City or on North Jersey gambling or on Bally's Jubilee Rooms or you just have some crazy rant, uh, send it that way and we'll talk about it on the show. See everyone in two weeks. Have a nice holiday, everyone. Adding on, I I added your uh, total rewards number as a companion number, uh-huh. and you got me nothing different. Awesome! I'm such a high roller. I know. My favorite part is that when I go in and log in under mine, and I try to add yours, it's it like, doesn't let you, right? It's like diamond. no child. Bring daddy's login. <laughs> let him put your number in because you are a gold member. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> uh, man.